Welcome to the Business of Luxury podcast, where we feature exclusive conversations with entrepreneurs, executives, and influencers on the leading edge of luxury. On today's episode, Human connects with Kathy Gahari, president of the Rodeo Drive Committee, and she has over 30 years of luxury marketing experience. She entered the world of luxury retail on Rodeo Drive while still in school at the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising. And the famed three-block stretch in Beverly Hills has remained a constant in her career. Kathy has held leadership positions at Christian Lacroix, Giorgio Armani, Dolce & Gabbana, and Valentino. Now, in this episode, Kathy shares a brief history of Rodeo Drive and how it became the epicenter for luxury. How the Rodeo Drive Committee supports retailers and landowners along the fame stretch, and how the luxury market has shifted and remained the same over the past 30 years. Let's join Human's conversation with Kathy Gahari. Kathy, it is so great to have you today. Uh, welcome to the show. Thank you, Human. Thank you for having me. How did Rodeo Drive become an epicenter for the luxury market? Can you share? a bit of the history being that you've been involved for so many years and you played such an integral part. Mm-hmm. It'd be great to have you share with us. Sure. Um, it's actually a very interesting story. And believe it or not, throughout the decades, I've learned more and more information about the details. But um, it all started, believe it or not, in the 60s when Conrad Hilton invited a gentleman from New York City to come to Los Angeles to run the Beverly Hilton. That man was Mr. Fred Heyman with mm. hospitality. And I believe somewhere within a year or so, he was approached by a friend to invest in a little shop on Rodeau Drive where there really weren't any other shops in that kind of caliber. And um, that store was called Giorgio's at that time. And shortly enough, Giorgio's uh, got transferred into the Fred Heyman store in the corner um, uh, location where you actually see Louis Vuitton today. And that's when really Rodeo Drive started kicking in. Um, Mr. Heyman's hospitality background created this truly this oasis of retail that had never been done before. I remember as a much, much, much younger lady, I used to go in there and there was this brass cappuccino machine sitting on the bar. There was a bartender every day of the week and there was this huge pool table just for experiential um, time to spend in the boutique while you didn't even have to shop. That was just a secondary comment. And this kind of experience was offered at a time where nobody even knew what experiential meant. And sure enough, he was definitely a major part of um, informing other brands and getting other brands to see what he had accomplished and inviting more to join. I believe the next big brand after him was Gucci, who liked what they saw and they came and opened one of their biggest flagship stores on this side of the world. And that was also in the 70s. And then it took off one by one. They all came. He was instrumental. He was one of the pillars. Sure, he's the godfather. We call him the the godfather. Godfather. Yeah. What Rodeo Drive is today. Yes, yes. And he had help. I mean, they're definitely big names, you know. Uh, Your last name is one of them. Your family was also instrumental in building this street. We have um, Mr. Tronstein, who, you know, may he rest in peace. He was also extremely uh, committed and 
and uh, part of this whole genre of leadership in the 70s and 80s that truly put Rodeo Drive on the map in the way it is today. You know, it's funny you say that. I remember uh, when I was six years old, my father mm-hmm. took me, goes, you know, I'm going to take you to the construction site. And at the time yeah. of the development and construction rodeo collection, right. we put a hard hat together and I'm seeing the brickwork being done. And I had no idea what that yeah. meant, what it was. I had my game in my hand as a six-year-old. And who would have ever thought that uh you know decades 40, later yeah exactly 45 years later it is what it is today and it allowed me and shaped me to be able to have the the privilege of representing the rodeo collection and many of the other landlords yes in bringing in the major brand to rodeo drive and it's been an incredible journey and ride for me and when you connect what had happened it's an amazing mm-hmm. story you know from six years old to where we are now uh, and to be part of that is very special, very special. It's a special journey and to consistently be at this caliber and in this kind of reputation. I mean, truly, I'm sure you are as honored as I am to be part of this experience, you know, truly it's unparalleled anywhere else in the world. Absolutely. You know, oftentimes, uh, in fact, people think of uh, people think of fashion when it comes to Rodeo Drive. Mm -hmm. But so much more to that. What um, what else does Rodeo have to offer, in your opinion, having been involved in so many ways? What else would you say is so intriguing? So I'm going to start by saying as someone who has had the pleasure of at least traveling to some of the other fashion epicenters around the world, in Italy, London, Paris, in those locations, those stores exist pretty much everywhere. However, Rodeo Drive is a combination of something magical, truly, truly magical. I have yet to see a street, a luxury street like Rodeo Drive to have as many collaborations of um, experiential pop-ups happen at the same time. I have yet to see the combination of art. You know, we have art exhibitions in stores happening all year round. We have a permanent um, piece of art that was commissioned with uh, Robert Graham before he passed away, the torso that just sits very casually on our street every day of the week. Um, We have architecture, landmarks of amazing creations uh, by world-renowned architects. And then there's entertainment in addition to hospitality. At the end of the day, Hollywood begins and ends on Rodeo Drive. Uh, You know, 20, 30, 40 years later, people still come to look for the Pretty Woman Hotel. Mm -hmm. Um, Those are things I wish we all had that kind of publicity that for one movie has carried generationally to so many different people. And it's the number one tourist attraction on Rodeo Drive when people come from out of town. They ask us where the Pretty Woman Hotel is. So these are part of our assets and our heritage and the culture that we have been able to create. The sunshine doesn't hurt either. The beautiful palm trees that line the street. I mean, truly, we have one of the best kept luxury destinations in the world. Um, 
unprecedented again, unprecedented. No question about that. That's why you continuously have so many brands reaching out to to be part of this amazing uh, street, and mm -hmm. many of them are even expanding to bigger floor plates and uh, stores, which is wonderful to see. Can you share with our listeners uh, what is the Rodeo Drive Committee and how it began? I think people are very intrigued when they hear that there is such a committee mm -hmm. uh, yeah. and what it really stands for and how unique it's been to help right. Rodeo Drive be what it is today. Absolutely. It has evolved a lot. Uh, initially, again, the godfather, Mr. Heyman, uh, along with your family and the Tronsteins and many more leaders of the community, when they first started this committee, um, it was to create awareness of their location around the world, to show what they had built and to invite more to come, whether it was businesses and whether it was clients or visitors, to show that Rodeo Drive was the answer to the glamour on the West Coast, to Via Condotti, Bond Street, and Fubourg San Honore, those kind of streets that so we had our own version here on Rodeo Drive. That was primarily one of the main assets because at that time, not everybody knew what Rodeo Drive was about. And of course, that tradition has carried over decades and decades, and it's absolutely still part of our main focus to help market and inform our audiences around the world of what we're about, whether it's through our social media of Instagram, Facebook, which did not exist back then, and even a podcast, the Rodeo Drive podcast. We reach people all over the world in the farthest part of the globe and inviting them to come. Um, and it has evolved. One of our main, I personally think, and I would love your feedback on this, I think one of the best things we got from our um, committee is the networking aspect of it, how we all know each other. We all have access to each other. In many, many cities and businesses, most people don't know anyone aside from their next door neighbors. We call people down the street. We call people two blocks away. We have access to our leaders at day and night, and that is a humongous asset for any kind of uh, a business community to have. It is pure knowledge, and it is absolutely priceless. In addition, uh, we are we liaise with the city. We have one of the most exceptional city um, that works so closely with us from the council members and the mayor, the police department, the fire department, we're all one big family. And we also work with them closely to make sure that we continue to have a safe and um, very thriving community for our visitors, for businesses and, and visitors for years to come. Uh, again, communicating with the city for marketing needs. Do you know that how we currently do our Father's Day car show in the summer, we do holiday lighting ceremonies to celebrate the holidays. But do you know that Fred Heyman did the very first one with a $20,000 budget in the late 70s? And it was a lighting ceremony. And the trees and, the, and basically the lights were being lit, if I'm not mistaken, by the children of celebrities who lived in Beverly Hills. Wow. Imagine. What a visionary. What a visionary that man was. So much so. So much so. Truly, you know, 40 decades, four decades later, everything that he has done, we're still doing it. We're it's just, you know, right? It has evolved, but we're still doing the same kind of things. 
Who knew about experiential in the 80s? Who even spoke about experiential? Uh, many, many countries, customer service was secondary. In most, most of the countries, you got what you got and you didn't get upset. I mean, it was what it was. So the whole market has evolved and we are fortunate enough to have kept our heritage from back then. No question. And going back to what you said about the impact that the committee has had, you know, the connectivity that's among the members, mm-hmm. unity that comes together, whether it's for new ideas or for the betterment of the whole or how to deal with certain circumstances or whatever challenges may arise has been so powerful. And when you see that a committee such as this can maintain that and even become better from it as you're seeing the result year after year, it it goes a very, very long way. Um, And a lot of it has to do with the amazing job that you're doing as the president, currently being the president of the committee. You You know, why don't you share with, with our listeners what is your specific role as the president and what do you enjoy most about it? Because it is so obvious how passionate mm-hmm. you are and how much you love it. Uh, I think it, would, it would go a long way to, to hear what that is. Well, I'm fortunate enough to never do anything that I don't love. So Rodeo Drive Committee has been close to my heart for over two decades. I have been part of the committee in different roles. Um, This is my third time being president. And I have to say, I guess people close to me who see me in action, they would say my sense of ownership of these three blocks, you would think I own the whole damn street because I truly, truly, it's a 24-7 kind of um, responsibility for me. And my goal is to network and to bring our members together to network, you know, Human, how many people do you know? How many communities around the world do you know that any store manager can pick up the phone and call the police chief on his cell phone or call the mayor on her cell phone, right? Unprecedented, unprecedented. And Rodeo Drive has been able to be that bridge between the business community and our city leaders. That is probably one of the most valuable things. They listen to our concerns. They listen to our complaints. They listen to our um, ideas. They listen even to our compliments. So that is Rodeo Drive Committee. That is the power of what we have kept going for decades and decades and decades. And I am honored to have been put in this position. And I plan to be in some way part of it for as many years as they allow me to be. You know, as you should be, because you've had leadership roles at the most luxurious brands around the world, from Valentino to Giorgio Armani mm-hmm. to Dolce Gabbana, mm-hmm. to just name a few over the years. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to, you know, get your take on has the luxury market shifted over the past two decades? Like, how do you see the shift in the past two decades? And what have you seen change? And what uh, yes. was, you know, and what is and what has remained the same, right? Right, right. Remain the same. What would you say was the distinction between the two? So desire for luxury has remained the same. No, in a hands down, luxury will forever supersede everything else. We I always say we are in the want business, not in the need business, and people want all the time. So that is the consistent through the decades and has been um, 
part of what luxury is in general. Experiential has changed. You know, although service was amazing, at the point where Fred Heyman had a bar and a pool table, he was the only one. He was the only one. Our idea of experiences was to make sure that the sales associate gave a very warm welcome and a good ceremony when it came to selling the product, having information. That was our experience back then. Today, we have the LVMH store on the corner. They have a huge two-story size artist um, sculpture that is part of their installation. We didn't have those things 20, 30 years ago. Those kind of pop-ups were never part of our, um, even our ideas. The most we would do is we would do a Vanity Fair event when we would put posters in the window of, of um, actors and actresses. That has also changed drastically. Um, also, the generational gap has gotten closer and closer. Before, you know, I used to say I started helping the grandmothers and then the mothers and the granddaughters and the great granddaughters generationally, most brands have become so multi-generational that some of the brands will sell to the granddaughter and the grandmother in the same season. This mm -hmm. is also new. This is also new. It's something that had not happened in the past. Um, in the last few decades, one of the things that has changed is partnering up brands with entertainment, getting basketball players to promote a sneaker, getting a celebrity rapper to promote a watch brand, and on and on and on. A lot of these types of um, grassroots partnerships were not around. There was an ambassador back then who was world-renowned, and they sat really properly on a chair, and they got photographed by the right cinematographer. It was not a guy tweeting on his Instagram uh, about a certain kind of information or a, a new sneaker that he had bought. And within seconds, you know, 25,000 sneakers would be sold. We didn't have that back then. We do now. Um, many of those um, influencers are the best marketing tools that these brands have. So that has changed. And I remember in the 90s, I was fortunate enough to be part of the Armani team. And Human, on a, during award season, Oscars or things, on a, on a day before, so Oscars used to be on a Sunday. So on a Saturday afternoon, I used to walk onto the sales floor. I had George Clooney stand in one side, Brad Pitt standing in front of another mirror, on and on and on, Julia Roberts, you just named them. They were all there getting fitted for their outfits for the next day. Mm experience of a lifetime. Those kind of things don't happen very much anymore. Now there are stylists, celebrity stylists who take the pieces to them and get them dressed. So now when you do see a celebrity walking up and down the street, you can be pretty sure that they're doing it for themselves. They're shopping on their own time. And that's, that's lovely to see. And that's also lovely to see. You know, you mentioned uh, the idea, which again, that's why he was such a visionary uh, with Fred Heyman about how important hospitality is, how important it is when your shoppers or clients or even people who have never come to your store, when you welcome them with such warmth and yes. there's not condition on, hey, you can only have something if you shop, but it's the reverse. Please come in, feel yes. like this is your home. Please have a cappuccino, have yes. something to eat. Um, gives a lot of shoppers a comfort and level of peace and ease 
to want to be there and to stay there and to communicate. And I think that's why you're seeing now how most of the major brands are adding a restaurant component yes. to what they're doing because they see the importance of hospitality. Of yes, you see, uh, currently I work for Audemars Piguet, a boutique director on the street. And my number one goal when I interview candidates is I can teach you how to sell. I can teach you about the product but I can't teach you to have that nature of being hospitable. I can teach you the skills, but you need to have the personality. I think it's super important for whoever is hiring the new generation of associates on the street to continue to think about hospitality because at the end of the day, nobody needs what we sell. It's a want business and we have to welcome everybody in our home, whether they're shopping or not, because the experience is so much more than just selling an item. And this is, again, all brands are paying more attention to that. More stores um, are deciding to add a restaurant to their um, infrastructure. You know, we have the Gucci Osteria, which is magnificent. Uh, the Pretty Woman Hotel, we have a restaurant at the end. We have 208, which is an outdoor um, restaurant that is lined by cobblestones. You feel like you're sitting at night in Rome with the twinkle lights above your head. Um, there are so many other opportunities, most newly, one of our night spots, a hot night spots, may I say, that people actually stay awake after 10 p.m. is the hideaway in your property, right? Yes. I mean, what a nice addition to be able to have a drink at 10 p.m. on Rodeo Drive. That, that has been a major hit. It's yeah. been beyond our expectation and imagination yeah. about yeah. how to have such a place where does not only does it have excellent food, yes. but a place where people hang out, they meet, they greet yes. for business, for pleasure. Yes. Uh, really created a nightlife on Rodeo Drive, which really never existed until now, which is wonderful to see and to have. It's it's really I have to say, I think it existed like four decades ago. Four it's decades been gone. <laughs> it's been gone for such a long time. So yes, yeah. Shift and change. And yeah. hopefully we can build off of that right. with many of the other. Uh, projects and uh, landlords. Kathy, tell tell us, in your opinion, how it's the current U.S. economy, which has a lot of ups and downs, mm -hmm. impacting the luxury market. How, how are the brands responding to what's happening? You know, from all the sectors, retail is currently the strongest. Mm -hmm. So how would Why? you... I think yeah. part part of the reason is because we are consistent. Even though our players might change, the luxury client is there. Maybe today they're in their 20s. Maybe tomorrow they're in their 50s at different times, different places. Crypto goes up. Lots of young kids get a lot of money. They want to spend it. Then crypto goes down. They go away. And the consistent old money is continuing their um, journey. Luxury is always there. The players might change, but the business really doesn't change. It's always there and it's always in demand. Um, somebody once said, made a comment to me in the store and said, money never disappears. It just goes into different hands. And hmm. those hands continue to spend luxury. Yes, luxury is a universal world. It's an experience yes. that everyone wants to have. Um, oh. And it's exactly what you just said. Mm -hmm. Kathy, if people want to follow your work, 
and what would be the best way to connect with you online? So uh, I am on Instagram myself. I am around. I'm walking up and down Rodeo Drive on most days. There you go. Just drop by. Um, but Rodeo Drive itself has an amazing um, Instagram account. We have Facebook. We have podcasts. And we even do TikTok these days. You know, I would love to see what Mr. Feynman, uh, Fred Heyman thinks about us today. But there's many ways of connecting. And me personally, I'm also on LinkedIn. You can find me in all the traditional ways. Fantastic. Well, we cannot thank you enough for being mm-hmm. on the show today. You gave so much insight and Appreciate knowledge, it. you know, on the luxury world, Rodeo Drive, Rodeo Drive Committee, and yourself, of course, who's a celebrity. <laughs> so, so thank you, really. Thank you for being part of our show. And thank you for continuing to be so instrumental with what's happening in Beverly Hills and and Rodeo Drive. I appreciate you so much and thank you for the same. You are a major player on our street too, my friend. So thank you for your partnership. We hope you enjoyed Human's conversation today and we invite you to share this episode with someone who might enjoy it as well. Take a screenshot on your phone, text it to them and tell them to check out businessofluxurypodcast.com. Also, we encourage you to rate and review the show on your favorite podcast platform. Thank you for listening to The Business of Luxury.